0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you're about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're in John chapter 9, Steps to Sight. Steps to Sight. And I want to tell a little story first of all. Jesus is obviously going to help someone who's blind here. And Kim and I, we had this we started a ministry in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut, with our church with the inner city, and it was a real rough area of bridgeport really It was really slums is what it was and they 've actually bulldozed it down it 's all gone. but we started this ministry, and the kids named it inner Mission is what it was called and it was a wild ministry. We would have a couple of vans and a bus load and we 'd pick them up from the projects and we 'd bring them to the church and we had a ministry night and then we'd take them on back home and it was wild. It was very, very wild. In fact, the senior pastor's name was Dave. Uh, he would help me drive and I needed him because I was, I was a youth pastor, senior pastor. He would drive the bus and I would be on this microphone. It was an old Greyhound bus with a, literally a million miles on it. It had a microphone and, and the, he was big and scary to them and, and I would try to entertain him on the microphone the whole ride while he's driving. And we would, it was rowdy. We, I would have all these songs and, and contests. And it was controlled craziness is what it was. We just tried to somehow get them from the village to the church and then back home again without things getting too, too crazy. And one week, Pastor Dave drove the bus... But he couldn't drive home. He had a church meeting or something, and he's like, you're going to have to find a substitute. And one of my other youth leaders, Brian, his name was Brian too, he drove the bus. He could drive, so he said, I'll volunteer. He got out of work a little early, and he came, and he, he was going to drive him back. But as soon as the kids saw that Pastor Dave wasn't there, they were even crazier than usual because he was kind of the disciplinarian, and, and it was like, oh, man, they're even nuttier because they're out of their routine and all that. So I, I, I was trying to think of a how could I keep these kids calm for that 20-minute ride back into the, to the city? And, and an idea hit me because I was looking for every angle. Every week I looked for every angle because it literally got pretty crazy. Sometimes there's fights and really wild times on this bus. You had 70 kids piled in there. It was wild. And one idea, the idea hit me. I saw Brian, the driver, had these dark glasses on. And so I was like, I got it. I said, okay, guys, you better all sit down. Because they're literally climbing up and down the seats. I said, you better sit down because uh, we have a, a new driver. It's his first time he's ever driven a bus, and he's blind. And the kid's are like, no, he's not. They're like, yes, he is. No, he's not. And we got this thing going, because we had this going all the time. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise you, the Lord. They had it all down. No, he's not. Yes, he is. And, and, and finally, one kid stood up. I'll never forget. I think his name was Sammy. He stood up. He goes, he can't, he can't be blind. He's not, he's not blind. And I said, why not? And he goes, because blind people can't drive. And I said, well, why? He goes, because they're blind. I said, That's discrimination. And and now I'm speaking their language. They use that at me all the time. They're beating me up with this discrimination. They I, I don't give them extra treats or extra cookies or something. You're discriminating, you know. So now I'm talking. Now I'm using it back on them. I was having fun with this, right? And and they kind of half believed me, so they weren't sure. They thought I was kidding, but they weren't sure. And I got them thinking, right? So I said, okay, now tell them where to go. We're gonna get out of the parking lot. And he said, and I said, okay. And he starts moving the bus. They go right, right. They all shout right, and then they all shout. I go like this, laugh, they're all laughing, straight, they're all yelling, whatever I, you know, point, you know, with my microphone, you know, and they're all shouting all this stuff, but they're still kind of not believing it, they're still pretty rowdy, it's pretty loud on, it's loud on this bus, all right? Uh, So, we get, he goes to the, pull out of the church parking lot, and a car is coming down the hill, and it has this blinker on, so, we think it's going to turn in the church lot, cars coming down, blinker, turning the church, well, this one had the blinker on by accident, and, and he goes to pull out, and the car was going to crash into us, wasn't turning. And so he hits the brakes really hard. All the kids go flying. The car swerves around, screeching around us. It was really scary. It was one of those, like, you know, almost had an accident. We didn't. It was really scary. Everybody was, you should you have seen the looks on these kids' faces. They're sitting. And I said, see, I told you he's blind. <laughs> that was a quiet ride. The whole ride. These kids were in terror. They were just whispering, looking at each other, whispering, nervous, you know, because they weren't sure we we're gonna get home. Like, they believed it. Now, Brian the Brian was not really blind. But we're gonna see a guy here in John chapter 9 who really was blind. And what Jesus does, something amazing for him. And we're, we're, we're actually in the book of Mark, as you know. We've been preaching through the book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 8. And we left off in Mark chapter 8 with Jesus healing the blind man in the process. If you weren't here, get the CDs or go on the podcast and follow along because it all goes together. And we talked about how often our healing is a process. It's a process. Our healings, our sanctification, our salvation is often a process. And how often we... Then we talk about how we often slow down that healing process in our life because we won't surrender something to God. Something that he's calling us to surrender. We talked about that. We looked last week at John chapter 5, and we saw how Jesus healed the swimmer. Remember, Jesus heals the swimmer. Once again, if you weren't here, get the CD... Podcast. It all flows together because this is us. It's a picture of us. How we slow down that healing process. But I want to, today. I want to look before we go back to Mark chapter eight. Next week, I want to look at another healing process today. That's very similar to the Mark chapter eight story. And many of you are, came in and some of you emailed me and, and and told me on the way in. John chapter nine. That was the mystery passage. There was a connection because it's a process. I said I gave you the hints. It's very similar to the, the other healing. It's a process, just like the other one. It's a process healing. There's several phases, two different phases. There's a spiritual, there's a physical, and then a spiritual healing. Very similar. And it also involves a blind man again, and also saliva. Spit again. Yuck. You know, here's another story with healing with, with the saliva. Okay? So let me pray before we read the passage. Father, we thank you for your word. And... We know your word has something to say to us this morning. Anytime we open it, but especially this passage, you're going to speak to us in a special way this morning through your Holy Spirit. We ask that our hearts would be open and our ears would be open and our minds would be open and to, to let you transform our lives through this. And wherever we are in our spiritual journey, you would help us take another step forward, becoming more like Jesus Christ. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the whole passage and it's, cuz it's a wild story. So, let's pick it up with verse chapter 9 verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, "Rabbi, who sinned, that this man who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind?" Neither this man nor his parents sinned," said Jesus, "but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I'm just going to pause real quick because, it's, because it'll make more sense when we read a little bit later. The, the Pharisees had this teaching that if someone was sick with any suffering, it had to be because of sin. Connect the dots, right? And if it was either the, ch- the person sinned or if it was a baby born with something wrong, then the parents must have sinned. You can see why people kind of felt beat up in their, their churches, right? The synagogues, right? And remember, because you're going to come back to this. Okay, let's go to verse 4. Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse 6, having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said to him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put out my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought... To the Pharisees, the man who had been blind, now the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided Finally they turned again to the blind man, What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind but how he can see now or who opened his eyes we don't know ask him he is of age he will speak for himself his parents said this because they were afraid of the jews for already the jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that jesus was the christ would be put out of the synagogue that is why his parents said he is of age ask him and remember what i said last week uh, just a little interjection here with the jews whenever john uses the word jews here he's talking about the jewish religious leaders he's not talking about jewish people John was a Jew, Jesus was a Jew, the man who was healed was a Jew. It's not anti-Semitism. It's a, it's a term used to, to delineate the religious Pharisee leaders of the, of the time. So that's how he's using that term, okay? Verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? This is almost funny, except it's not. Verse 27, he answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, and keep in mind this is a blind beggar. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man replied, Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Wow. Wow. Verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man Blind from birth. This man who is blind from birth is symbolic of each one of us. We are reading a story about ourselves here, aren't we? It's a picture of every one of us. We are all born and grow up spiritually blind. 2 Corinthians 4.4 The Apostle Paul writes, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the Light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Every one of us starts out spiritually blind. And then look what Jesus does in verse 6. We have spit again, saliva again, where he says, Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. The man's eyes. We have the spit again. Remember, we keep talking about dimes. Jesus uses saliva. And if you weren't here the last few weeks, get that because we've seen it happen several times. We know that the saliva of the holy man in Jesus' culture here was thought to have healing powers. They thought the more holy you were, the more powerful your saliva could be for healing powers. And we showed how Jesus uses it symbolically. We talked about that. Some cultures still believe this. In fact, Elizabeth sent me, she probably doesn't remember, she sent me an email years ago about a story of someone who, uh, well, let me read it to you. Here's the true story told by Marilyn Laszlo, a translator of the Wycliffe Bible Translators working with a Sepik Iwam people. That's in Papua New Guinea. She's a missionary. She was having trouble getting the villagers interested in having the Bible translated into the, the Sepik Iwam language. So she asked all the big men in the village to help her. But even they didn't seem to be too interested in it until one day they were translating the opening verses of John 9 where Jesus heals the blind man by spitting on the ground and making clay, which he put on the man's eyes, and the man was healed of blindness. The big men said, Jesus did what? So Marilyn repeated the passage, and they said, what a spitter that Jesus is. Why, he must be the best spitter in the whole world. The reason they were so amazed at what Jesus did was because in their village, they had lots of blindness, and the medicine man, who was also their doctor... This is what he did to try to heal people. But he had never been able to heal anyone. But he would constantly do spit, mud, put it on their eyes. And from then on, they became very interested in what the Bible had to say. Not just the big men, but the whole village. And Marilyn said, I think God put that particular passage in the Bible just for the Sepik Ewan people. Interesting, isn't it? He probably was thinking about them and all of us. But thinking. Of, I'm sure he thought of them. Specifically. So Jesus. So there's, there's this whole culture. Of using spit. Even now. So Jesus uses spit again. But this time he does it to make mud. He didn't just use the saliva. Like he did with the tongue. And the eyes before. But he actually uses it to make mud. And once again. It's a visual symbol. It's a picture of our blindness. We are all spiritually blind. We all have mud covering our eyes. We can't see. And only Jesus can heal Our blindness. He's the only one. Verse 7. Look where he sends him. Wild. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. The pool of Siloam was a famous pool at this time. The priests used the water from the pool of Siloam for the Feast of Tabernacles. And the reason they used the, pool, the water from the Pool of Siloam is because for the Feast of Tabernacle, you had to use living water. Living water meant that it had to be, have a spring fed. It had to be moving. It had to be spring fed. It couldn't be stagnant. And, and the Pool of Siloam was spring fed, so it was considered living water. That's why in John chapter 7, Jesus stood up at the Feast of Tabernacles. He stood up during that feast and he claimed to be living water. That's why he claimed that. He was, he was claiming to fulfill the feast. He was the tabernacle. John 1.14, he came and lived among us. He came and tabernacled among us. He was fulfilling the Feast of tabernacle and he claimed to be the living water. Jesus was claiming that. That's what he did. And now Jesus sends this blind man stumbling back to this very pool a few chapters later. Stumbling back and he sends him back to Siloam which means the sent one. He sends the blind man back to the same pool where he claimed to be living water. But really Jesus was the sent one. He was the sent one. He was sent by God to be living water for us to restore our sight. It's all about Jesus. It's all connected. Now this healing process is very interesting but what I really want to focus on this morning is the process of the spiritual healing. The phase two. This is what I really want to look at. In fact if you look at your inserts there We have steps to spiritual sight that this man takes that every one of us must take at some point in our life. Many of us have taken these steps. You might be on the first step. You might be on the third step. Whatever step. But each one of us has to take these steps to spiritual sight. The first one is in verse 11. The first step where he says... They talked to the man, they're questioning the man, and he replied, The man they call Jesus made some mud and put out my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. He calls Jesus the man. He sees Jesus as a man. That's all he thought of him. And this is where many of us start out, right? Everyone. We start our spiritual journey. We don't really understand who Jesus is, and we think of him as a man. Sadly, many people end up there. That's the sad part. If you end up thinking Jesus was just a man, that's a problem. The Da Vinci Code, which was so big years ago, now it's faded away, but it was so big, the the book and the movie and blah, 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 it was based on this premise that Jesus is just a man. And the Roman Catholic Church at one time invented this this God-man, Jesus, and it was an invention by the Roman Catholic Church, and and that's how we we ended up with Jesus being divine. That is, uh, uh, you know, ridiculous. That's a fiction story based on fictions, Okay. Uh, long before there was such a thing as a Roman Catholic Church, Jesus was seen as divine. If you, in fact, if you want to read the Da Vinci Code, you have to go into the bookstore into the fiction section. There's a reason why. It's all made up. It's a story, okay? But a lot of people, it became very popular. They thought of it as a fact because they wanted to believe it, right? They, they don't want to believe in Jesus. It's, it's an old spin. It's a new book, but it's an old spin. It's an old lie. It's called, uh, It comes from Gnosticism. Gnosticism started at the same time with the apostles. It tried to deny the divinity of Jesus Christ which the apostles were all preaching. They, they actually wrote other gospels later on, hundreds of years later that they claim were authentic and, and should be in the Bible now. The, the lost Bibles of the Gnosticism, if you ever see it, it's entertaining, it's funny, but don't take it, take it seriously when you watch it on, on TV. Uh, but that's why John wrote not just the book of John, the gospel of John, but he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And that was written against the Gnosticism, which was trying to creep in and, 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 and deny the divinity of Jesus Christ. That's what it was trying to do. That's, if, when you read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you're reading Paul, John's response to this, okay? So anyway, just a man. The blind man starts out here, but the, let's see where he goes next. Step number two is in 16 and 17. He takes another step. Some Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. He's a prophet. Now, the next step, not just the man, but he's a prophet. But this man is really being Politically correct, (laughs) as we'll see here. He's being very careful. He may have been blind, but he's not stupid, right? Uh, He's being politically correct. He's still a man, but he's a special man. He's super spiritual. He's a prophet. He's not God, but he's definitely connected to God. He hears from God, right? That's what prophets do. They hear from God. Many today see Jesus as a prophet. The Muslim religion. No problem if you say Jesus is a prophet. Just don't call him God's son. Then you're in trouble. Muslims believe this. A surprising number of Jewish people are now see Jesus as a prophet. They, that's, yeah, he, he was something, something beyond ordinary. He was a special guy. A, a lot of my Jewish friends say, yeah, I, he was definitely a prophet. It's become very popular in the USA today to see Jesus as a prophet. He's one of the enlightened ones, right? You've got Buddha, you have got the Dalai Lama, you got Jesus. He's one of those guys. That's very, very popular in the USA today. He's, this is who he is. And this may be politically correct, right? Even in the USA today, it's politically correct. Jesus is one of them, but he, he's not the only one, right? But it's not biblically correct. And it's very important that we all take the next step, the next step. And I want to mention something. Notice what helps this man take the, each step of the way. What, what is it? It's the opposition he's facing. It's the Pharisees you know, knocking him over the head, leading questions and getting upset with him. It, it, it's the opposition each step of the way. Each step of opposition helps him move forward spiritually. I want to say this. Expect opposition. If you are taking steps to, to Christ and, and these spiritual steps, expect it. Expect the opposition. Every step of the journey, it's positive. God uses it. To push us to the next step. And we've all experienced it, haven't we? God uses it to push us. To help us go further in our faith. Even when you're a Christian, expect it. God uses that opposition to grow us in our faith. It's like wrestling. If those who are in wrestling know what I'm talking about, you wrestle. And by wrestling against someone else, you can do push-ups, sit-ups, and all that. It's all good. But it's not till you wrestle somebody that you really get stronger. And you really learn how to, 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 to defeat defeat the foe and that's what God does he lets us wrestle with someone and then someone the coach will give you a harder person to wrestle and a harder person to wrestle because he wants to make you stronger and that's what God does spiritually he puts us in a tougher spot spiritually and he he's using it to push us spiritually and grow us and puts these people in our life the this this teacher or this friend or this family member it's all meant to strengthen our faith just like this man with the pharisees Each step, he gets pushed along. He gets pushed to step number 3 in verses 25 and then 32 and 33. Let's look at verse 25. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Powerful. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Verse 32, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Let's start with 31 there, actually. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He has gone from Jesus was a man to Jesus was a prophet to now Jesus has some power. He has power from God. He's more than a prophet, this Jesus. He has special powers of some kind from God. He's really Superman. That's really what he's saying. He's, he's some kind of Superman. And at this stage in our journey, as we take these steps, we start to see God's power at work through Jesus Christ. We start to see that in our lives, or even in the lives of other people. We see that. We start to, see, we start to hear stories of healing, we start to see our Christian friends who have been changed and their lives are, are being transformed. Or maybe your husband or wife or f- another family member, you start to see that they're start- You start to see them being transformed. We start to f- talk to people who have been freed of addictions. Or maybe you yourself, we, we're in an AA meeting and, and, or an NA meeting and we hear about this higher power that we have to depend on if we're going to really beat this thing. And we start to understand that we see God's power at work. And maybe we start to hear about God's power. Maybe we're riding in the car and we listen to Christian radio or we, or we get a Bible and we start to read the Bible and we see these powerful teachings and we, and we hear these powerful healing stories as we're hearing this. We hear about Jesus Christ's death, how he broke the power of, of sin through his death on that cross. We hear about his resurrection, how, how Jesus had power over death we're hearing these stories and we're starting to realize he has he's he's a he's a superman he's got this this power and god's spirit is working in our heart at this time and we start to see things that we've never seen before we start to understand just like this blind guy he's preaching a sermon to the Pharisees he's never been to seminary but something's starting to click spiritually the spirit is speaking to our hearts and our minds and, and we're starting to see things in a whole different way and we're starting to even sense some conviction and we start to start to be drawn to Jesus. We realize that he has a connection to God. He, there's a special power with Jesus. And, and look and remember this as you share your story with people, remember this. People that are starting to seek and and wonder. There's a power in our story. There's a power in our testimony. The power of the personal testimony. Share your story. Share it with people. I can't answer all your questions. Somebody's asking, I can't answer your questions. I just know I'm different. I was blind, but now I see. I just know I'm different now. People will rarely challenge someone's personal experience. And no one can argue with a changed life. Verse 34, the Pharisees are really getting wound up now. And they push him out of the nest. They push him to the final step. They push him out of the nest. Verse 34, where they say, To this they replied, you were steeped at sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Out of the nest. He's gone. And this pushes him to the final step. Verses 35 to 38 when Jesus said... Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Lord, I believe. Went from the man to the prophet to the superman to Lord, I believe. The final step, he realized he was more than any of that. He realized he was a son of man. We've talked about the son of man title. It's messianic. It's the Messiah. He knows he's the Messiah, but not a human Messiah. He now knows that he's a divine Messiah. How do we know that? He worshipped him. Now, Jesus claims it many times, and we see it all over the New Testament. Jesus claimed to be the divine son of God. But the proof here is he worshipped him. You're only allowed to worship one person, God. And that's exactly who Jesus is. He's the divine Son of God. He's the only Son of God. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The only one. And he says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. And that's the final step to salvation. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Lord, I believe, as our Savior and Lord. The Lord, when we, when we come to Christ, it, we, we make him Lord of our life. We surrender our sin and our life to him. That's a very important part of salvation. It's not just believing something. It's a surrender. It's making him Lord, Savior and Lord. Lord, I believe. Acts, you want proof of that? Acts 26.20. Paul, the Apostle Paul, saying how he preached the gospel. He said, I preached, halfway through, he says, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove the repentance by their deeds. That's Paul's gospel. How he preached salvation by faith. But look what was part of it. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove the repentance by their deeds. That was his gospel. We. When we come to when we come to christ it 's not just believe and go to heaven and take your ticket no no it 's Lord and Savior Savior and Lord very, very important to understand that that 's what the Bible teaches, but not just, we when we say Lord, I believe, I surrender my life and I believe in you. The word believe means to totally trust in to, to, to it 's not just it 's not a head knowledge it means it 's a heart knowledge it means to totally give your trust and dependence and, and cling to, to Jesus. It, to put your faith, the word belief and faith are interchangeable. It, it means to put your faith in someone. And the best example I can give, I've used this before, but I, I, when I talk about eagles pushed out of the nest, that made me think of it, how an eagle teaches its baby how to fly. When an eagle, mother eagle wants to teach the baby how to fly, it takes it to the edge of the nest, gives it a nudge. Woo! Free fall. The eagle swoops down underneath, catches it on its back, takes it back up to the top, says, now do it again, junior. And that's how they teach him how to fly. Sooner or later, they start to use the wing. But that, that little eagle's going to take the step out of the nest and fall and be caught by the mother eagle. And the mother eagles never they've studied this, never miss. Never miss. God never misses. We, though, have to step out of the nest and put our faith in Jesus and, and take that, what, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, for me. I believe in you. I'm completely depending on you. That's faith. Lord, I believe. What spiritual step are we on this morning? What spiritual step are you on? Maybe Jesus is just a man. Maybe you've moved to the prophet phase. Maybe it's Superman. Maybe, Lord, I believe. What step are you on this morning? We're all blind beggars, every one of us. And we need Jesus Christ's healing process, power in our life. Maybe you're here today and you're willing, to, ready and willing to take the final step, to step out of that nest and put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Romans ten nine and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. and It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. There it is right there. Lord, believe. Maybe you're ready to take that step. Lord, I believe. And as Christians, maybe we've already put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's a one-time step, putting our faith in. But Lordship, although we do pray... Lord, I believe, and we put our faith in Jesus as our Savior and Lord at salvation. We do do that, but lordship itself is a lifelong process. We give our life at salvation, that's a heart decision, but giving up the things in our life is a daily discipline as the Holy Spirit convicts us. It doesn't stop there. It's a daily, lifelong process. God, is there any sin in my life or, or anything in my life that, that you want me to give up? It could be sin or it could be something anything, it could be even something good. It could be a good thing that blocks God's best, that God blocks God's plan, that blocks his purpose for my life. But lordship is so important, Make, continually surrendering, that, that whatever he's called us to surrender. Luke 6.46, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's not enough to just call him Lord, we have to do what he says, we have to surrender to him. But we have the power, but it, it's hard though, isn't it? Because it goes against everything in us, in our flesh. It goes against everything in the world. It goes against everything that Satan's trying to do in our life. It's a constant battle to let him, to to give up our life to Jesus and and let him live as Lord of our life. It's a constant battle, isn't it? Every second it's a battle. Every day. oh, Okay, now I've made him Lord, I'm going to get up, it's going to be an easy day. No, it's still a battle every day. It's hard, but we have the power to do it. This is the key. We have the power to do it. 2 Peter 1.3 says this. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. His divine power. We have God's power to do what? To live a godly life. We've been given it, but how do, we, how do we access it? We must get to know him through our knowledge of him. We must get to know him through the word, through the prayer, through living by faith, taking these steps of faith. It's, it's vital. We have the power to do it. The moment you put your faith in Jesus and you say, Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit comes in. He's there. It's a matter of surrender and letting him be Lord of our life. But it's a battle because you know why? Every day we have to make a decision. Am I going to listen to the flesh? Or am I going to live by faith? Am I going to listen to my flesh right now? Or am I going to, by faith, listen to what God says? What Jesus told me to do? Really, we're really deciding between flesh and fellowship. Flesh and fellowship. I can either do the flesh thing and be out of fellowship. Or I can let, let Jesus be Lord and stay in fellowship with him. Stay close to him. You know how we feel when we, we choose the flesh? A thrill for a second or two, and then we feel lousy. That's the Holy Spirit grieved in us. We have to choose between the flesh and fellowship. Uh, I'll give you a couple more episodes. I'm just writing all these down. Uh, between fun, fake fun, and fulfillment. Because what the f- world and the flesh offers, it's fun for a sec- just a quick... Moment, but it's fake fun. It doesn't last. Whereas we listen to Jesus and we do what He says to do with our life, it's fulfilling. It's it's a it's a it's it's a real fun. It's a fulfillment that lasts and, and we never lose it. Do you know what I'm talking about? And every day we gotta decide flesh and fake fun or faith, fellowship, and fulfillment. What are we gonna choose? That's what lordship is really all about. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you've been on a spiritual journey. And you're at the final step this morning. Maybe you've taken these steps very quickly through the Holy Spirit's leading this morning. That Jesus isn't just a man. He's not just a prophet. He's not a superman. He's the Son of Man. He's God's one and only son who died on the cross for me, who came alive three days later for me, to give me new life, to break the power of sin and to break the power of Satan and to break the power of flesh. And you're ready to say, Lord, I believe. Right where you're sitting, just say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I repent of my sin. I I turn away from it. I'm giving you control of my life. And I believe Jesus died for me. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm jumping out of the nest. I'm giving my complete trust to Jesus to catch me, to save me, to bring me to heaven someday. Just like that mother eagle, I believe he's going to catch me and save me and bring me to you someday, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit has come into you and your life will never be the same. You're going to be changed. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you want to tell me on the way out. Fill out the card in the bulletin, stick it in the box. Text me, email me, call me. Maybe you came with a friend or a family member. Let them know. Let somebody know so that we can encourage you in your new faith and in your new life in Jesus Christ. Let somebody know. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What do we need to surrender to our Lord today? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So convicting, Father. I pray that these words would haunt us. That we would get them out of our head. Lord, Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? May that lead us to surrender to your conviction. And and not choose flesh or fake fun, but to choose to live by faith. And find true fulfillment. And staying in close fellowship with you, Father. Father, I know that the moment we walk out of here, we're going to be bombarded by the world, by Satan, and by our own flesh. I pray that we would experience your divine power that you've given each one of us that enables us to live this godly life. Pray that it would be real to us as we surrender and and act on our faith. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.